the negative Nancy's. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Bitch with the Negative Nancy's. My name is Roy Walker, and I'm joined at the adult table today with my fellow Nancy's, Primo Thomas, Matt DeVita, and guest Nancy, Matt Refer Matt. With us, as always, is Junior Nancy, and man who beat 100,000 competitors once in his life to earn the title Top Sperm, <laughs> Tyler Cleary. Today, we will be discussing elderly influence on theater as we record from five separate locations with fine adult beverages. Now, let me tell you a long and boring story that will only confuse you and point you in the wrong direction. <laughs> Today we are joined with great actor, director, and friend Matt Refer Matt. But before we get into that, let's examine our drinks leading off with our guest. Matt, what are you drinking? <clears throat> I'm drinking a pickle pear lemonade spiked Whoa. with vodka. Oh. Say it five times real fast. A pickle pear lemonade spiked with vodka. A pickle pear lemonade spiked with vodka. A pickle pear <laughs> lemonade spiked with vodka. <laughs> and it'll get increasingly more elegant as we go along. Good, good. All right, uh, Primo, what are you drinking? Also, that sounds lovely. I am having a Genesee Ruby Red Kolsch today because I'm running low in my fridge. Leave me alone. Stop drinking the same thing every day. Matt. Other Matt. Well, shit. I'm still drinking the same thing because I love my single pour of Tullamore Dew in the afternoon. <laughs> and I will continue to do that until my two liters is gone. <laughs> Tyler. Yeah. What are we limping to the barn with today? I am still on the Dr. Pepper cream soda kick because I still have been lazy and have not picked up any alcohol. Don't you have like the weird shit in your Mima and Peepaw's basement? Does it work <laughs> if you spin three times and knock on the basement door? It just shows up. Uh, no, that that stock has been depleted. <sighs> oh, okay. Interesting. The mystery stock of the basement has been depleted, ladies and gentlemen. I'm being interesting, and by interesting, I mean the lack of interesting. I'm just drinking brandy today. Mm. Going on a br bit of a brandy tick, um, a kick here. Um, yeah, brandy kick. It's uh, it's got a like, you know, interesting flavor that I don't really have often. Mm. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know that song? The sailors say brandy. Brandy. The sailors say Brandy. Oh, that's pretty much my song. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. I'm going to have to Harvey Weinstein that whole song you just sang so we don't get sued. Because um, I'm pretty sure that that band, Through the Looking Glass, is uh, really low on funds right now. And they could really they could really, really do well with a lawsuit. So, uh, Matt, could you tell mm -hmm. our listeners um, who you are, what you do, what you like to do, who you like to be? All that stuff. I love all of those things. Um, sure, in a nutshell, right? Um, yeah, so I am a act well, theater artist is basically the term I would use because, you know, anything that's going to pay the bills. So I have a BFA from Point Park University's Conservatory for the Performing Arts. I came back in 2013 to work for Shakespeare in the Park. Uh, I met Brian Cavanaugh that summer, and they were looking for people to filled positions at the Irish. I was a bartender. I was a cleaner. I house managed. I am halfway through that season, the 2013-2014 season, they needed an assistant stage manager. I took that job and stayed there through the years are fuzzy now, but it was like 2018 maybe. Um, it was four years altogether. And so now I'm just part of like the working freelancers. It was like being a company member and then now being um, gigging. gigging. I, will, 
I've done stage management at Musical Fair. It's where Matthew and I work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also teach and am responsible for the drama department at um, a local high school, which happens to also be my alma mater. Yes. Oh. Well, wonderful. Yes, the life of a Buffalo freelancer. He did all this, and he's still the same age as me. <laughs> Wait, how do you know? <laughs> Should a lady never tell her age? Thank you. No. no, I was born in the year of our Lord, 1991. But oh wait, what? I thought we were. Oh, a relic of the, another century, Matt. Yes. In fact, he's God a year older than I. <laughs> our topic today basically is um, we had thrown around the idea of talking about elderly influence on the theater community in buffalo um and the and, arts in the arts right and, and just so our listeners don't think that we're um ageist anti-ageist right it's, <laughs> it's not that we're coming specifically at the elderly but there is um and i'm glad we're talking about this because i have very strong opinions about it but just how can we move our art forward and do more um, controversial pieces when the community that buys a lot of the tickets doesn't support it. I think before like we the, start questions, I have a preface too that might help this pillow right. the yeah, conversation. Uh, I'm a big history fan. I'm a mm, big fan of making know. sure that like if like when I teach students, it's more important for me that they have an interest in learning more. Period. Um, one of the reasons I got to the theater and stayed in the theater was because we, I was always learning something new. It was always, whether it was new choreography or a new composer or a new story or a new way to light a scene or a new way to stage a scene. I mean, it's endless, right? We know that. Right. Um, but I always believe that it is incredibly important to know where you come from and to know where you've been before you're even going to talk about where you're going. Right. Um, so that's just kind of like my personal mantra as an artist, even before we wanted to talk about, you know, um, God forbid, an older presence dominating the choices, right? Mm-hmm. So there's our preamble, gentlemen. Beautiful. I'll drink to that. Wonderful. I will also drink to that. I just did drink to that. But yeah, it's also like, how do we start producing work that is more appealing to the people who are actually making the art for the audiences? <laughs> I don't know about so, but anyway, but before we get into like that kind of stuff, um, what is kind of like burning your butt right now about it, Matt? That's just like, um, butt burn. <laughs> that sounds awful. That's, That's grinding hard. your gears. It's a part of life. Well, I mean, there's, I think there's like, there's a lot of this. that's like a twofold question, right? Absolutely. Um, there's this idea that the theater is not a theme park. Mm-hmm. That I think is a um, is really important for theater creators to rally around, right? You're not going to be able to create a movie in a theater. You can create a cinematic experience, maybe, but you, the movie it's not it's not the same medium. And so to ask people to pretend that it is is like kind of beside the actual point of creating theater. But the other side of that question is this idea that we can't trust our audiences to watch theater or to be engaged by theater. You're telling me that people who are paying outrageous amounts of money to sit in the dark space with other people and watch other people do things aren't going to be able to suspend their disbelief to do that. Right. If you don't believe in that, I think you have to 
reevaluate why you're doing theater. Mm. It's a different it's a different thing, but at the same time like don't fucking write a screenplay and put it on a goddamn stage. Well, I, mean, I think you know there's this idea too that there are things the theater can do that you can't do in a movie. Don't right. Yeah. So sh so use that. Mm, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's a single problem with highlighting every single flaw that you have in a theater space because yeah. if you can justify its use in some sort of storytelling capacity, it's going to move mountains right, right. over the idea of like this has to look this way and she has to wear this kind of dress because that's what they expect. And I don't know, like those conversations just don't feel in any way organic. Right. I feel like we right. should sit down privately and have a conversation specifically to that end. I would because, love that, yes. Um, I'll bring Brandy. <laughs> and, and sometimes I really feel like a purist this way, but... Um, for example, when I saw Hamilton, we don't have to talk about Hamilton mm -hmm. at all, but um, I was like, not I wasn't one of those people who like jumped on the, bo the boat right away. Yes. But when I saw mm -hmm. that thing, I thought this is the kind of theater we studied in school. Right. right. You could watch mm -hmm. the lighting design of that show and get the same thing as if you watched all of the props on parade in that show. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And they all do the same. I remember I used to have a, I had a directing teacher who used to say, it doesn't matter the language you should be able to stage a play. And that used to frustrate the hell out of me because I don't know how to read languages. I'm not a language person. But the idea remains that like when you're seeing an action in the theater, right. it's supposed to elicit something. Right. right. Elicit this idea that once upon a time we all used to play pretend. Right. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm trying to think the last time. That was very uh, inspirational. Thank you for that. Like, you don't understand yeah, it. But, yeah, I know that we're here no, to that was, but, that like, was. I'm a poet. No, but I was going to say, like, Matt, right from Matt, some of the things that comes out of his mouth, I can just, like, sit here and, like, sip on, like, a fine wine all evening and just listen mm -hmm. to him talk. In my mind, I'm trying to sit here and think of the last show I saw that kind of evoked that feeling. You know, mm -hmm. you know did you saying. see stones in his pockets? I don't know how old you are, and I don't know where we all are were at this time, but Chris Branch has directed a production <laughs> of Stones in His Pockets at Irish Classical Theater with Kevin Craig and with Chris Kevin. Evans, who is Chris Avery now. He was, mm -hmm. uh, he's at the Cav. He did a uh, Mockingbird. It's Captain America. Um, yeah. But mm -hmm. Primo, I tell you, it was the two of them in this show. They played every single character. There were exposed lighting instruments on the floor of that theater at the Andrews, and the world that they created. I'm. It was before I was working there, so 2013 at the earliest, and it. I, I'm still talking about it. I'm just trying to think in like the last few seasons, something that I saw that moved me in that way. Like it's thing. Like I, I've been doing theater for a long, long time, and when I was a kid watching theater that's what got me into it was sitting there and being like wow this moved oh. me to the point that i want to do this for a living and big fish <laughs> big fish yeah okay that's pretty good that I, big fish i, I worked on that and i didn't want to be biased but no big fish was I, fucking brilliant i, I loved that so. show yeah like i um i don't know if it like i honestly like it might be the production it might be the actual like text itself or like the concept because like <laughs> i have an old dad so i was sitting there watching a guy who was like kind of watching his dad like toward the end of his life in a completely different way right but like i was just sobbing through most of act two 
Like I had never been moved to that point before where I was like actually like breaking down in a theater. Sometimes in rehearsal, in re- well, in rehearsals especially, but when second gen goes into their production space, they've only got that tight week. Oh, don't even remember um, me. And I think Big back. Fish might have been the first show they did there in that tight yeah. week. Oh, man. Um, but I'll tell you that there were moments in when we were running that that if I if I caught it at the right like um, like emotional state there was a moment built into the very first number that when it, when they hit their mark in this one moment I'm like choking up thinking about it the whole thing fell into line with me and um yeah so like I have a very specific a different ap- approach to that material yeah. because I was in the mm-hmm. room for it but it was again one of those things that I couldn't it took the like actual breath from my lungs yeah um and how and i but in that way it's 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 the theater that does that it's the theater that say, pulls the breath from that. your lungs that needs that breath to survive right, yes right yes because they're all people like that theater company is run by people in their 30s right <laughs> period this is what another thing that bums me out about this whole fucking quarantine thing is that I was just about to go in to design and build for Cabaret with them. And I was so ready. In my mind, I was like, this is the show that I'm going to work on and design that's going to like restart the fire inside of me. That's going to like, mm-hmm. be like, this is, this is my, at the point of my career, my Mona Lisa is going to be great. I the design is brilliant. I'm so excited about it. And then it just gets ripped, you know, like, <laughs> it, it, like I went into it when I got the eventual email from them saying we have to postpone till next season email. It, it yeah literally ripped a part of me away and i was super down about it for a bit because i was so ready i was so ready for this this show to hopefully have that moment with people <laughs> mm-hmm. and and it got you know fucking ripped away and it was absolutely tragic. but at least you're still gonna do it right Tell well, you start I, mean, I feel so often it. in buffalo we aren't afforded any sort of maturation time right but now mm-hmm. you have all this time Right. Even and even for you to, not, I mean, you don't have to actively apply the time, but time will help with the process. And when you mm-hmm. do have that opportunity, and when Buffalo is afforded that opportunity to sit and share, I mean, it's going to mean even more maybe than it would have before. Which sounds like a Stephen Sondheim lyric, and I might be paraphrasing, but yeah. Well, well with that, we do need to take a quick message break, and we will be right back. Hey there, Nancys. In lieu of promoting paid sponsors for our debut podcast, we've decided to donate our message breaks to support the local Buffalo theater community. Roy, Matt, and myself will choose a company each week that has really been affected heavily by the COVID-19 pandemic that we truly, truly love. I would like to shout out the wonderful ladies of Second Generation Theater Company. Thanks to Kelly, Kristen, and Aaron, I was able to live out a dream last spring and set design Angels in America for them, and I cannot thank them enough for their kindness. Second Gen has had to cancel their production of Three Tall Women this spring, a travesty to hit many local Buffalo theaters. Second Generation was founded in 2013 by Kelly Copps, Kristen Bentley, and Aaron Lee Dandies. SGT creates quality theatrical experiences that appeal to an emerging generation of theatergoers. By building on Buffalo's strong theatrical roots, they strive to continue the area's tradition of great theater for generations to come. SGT seeks to create powerful theatrical experiences that seek to unite a community of diverse backgrounds and to continually cultivate appreciation and understanding in audiences of all generations through education and engagement. And I am beyond proud to know and work with these amazing women. If you would like to send love and support to Second Generation Theater of Buffalo, New York, online donations can be found and sent at www.secondgenerationtheater.com donate. 
And to those of you who do help, your assistance and love is most appreciated. And now, back to the pod. And we're back. All right. So um, something that was kind of crossing my mind, because I was thinking about back when I was in college and seeing other college productions, like a lot around town and stuff, that like colleges will pick certain shows to cater to older audiences. And then they'll be like, yeah, but we're going to do like, uh, let's say like, Hello, Dolly, but dark. Right. And so it like almost like puts them into a they like pigeonhole themselves into doing these shows by like catering to an older audience so people will come see their shows. But then they're like, we're gonna make a concept that has absolutely nothing to fucking do with the material, right. and it always ends up being a disaster. I'm not granting your premise that only old people are interested in the greatest American musical. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have picked Hello Dolly. Let's say like, okay, South Pacific, because I fucking despise that show. South Pacific, an all male fucking cast. <laughs> You're an old soul, Matthew Reformat. I can't stand South it's Pacific. It's like I can't stand the music, man. I get it. I love the music, man. Bye bye, Birdie can burn in okay. hell. Bye bye, Birdie, but dark. Bye bye, Birdie <laughs> is just like like uh, Coors Light version of Grease. <laughs> Give me the hard stuff, be... bit. Matthew. Uh, the, the Hello Dolly is a good um, is a good one to use to discuss that idea, though. That like yeah. let's force this concept that has yeah. nothing to do with the material. Uh-huh. into this thing so it can be perceived as something young people might want to see. Exactly. Which is I don't like, understand we, that. Uh, we are paying for training to do things that we are going to do immediately out of college. Right. I'm not going to play like like a dad in like The Sound of Music, Mr. Von Trapp, you are until I'm like in my 40s or 50s. Big role for you, though. Thank you very much. However... I don't want to be doing that in college when I'm going to be going out to the real world world and auditioning for roles that are, you know, I don't know, early 20s, like early 30s. Did you guys like have a, a student performance group at Niagara? A what? Uh, ye, like a uh, like um student run production. No. Yes. Uh, oh, and, and, yeah, we did. and you we did. Yeah, but not at NCCC. Do you say NCCC? Yeah, or... I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't know where all of you. I know Matthew DeVito went to Niagara University. Yeah, so Matt yes. and I did together. Yeah, okay, we did. Yeah. Um, well, at Point Park, there was, and there still is, um, there was always tension between, like, the school of the conservatory versus, like, you mm-hmm. know, um, but we kind of demanded that in a way, you know? Yeah. We were performing plays in living rooms. I know people who got to work with the playwright of their play because they reached out to them directly and were like, Incredible. I'm interested in working in your on your play, but I don't want to produce it in a real theater. I want to produce it in my living room. So there were actors walking around me in a living room play that was set in a living room. And, uh, you know, cool. um, it was revolutionary. It was um, problematic for a lot of people in power. But yeah, at the same time, <clears throat> I didn't understand. I loved it because not to delve too much into the study conversation and what drama school is like, but there's always an A team and there's always a B team. And mm-hmm. the B, they usually have the same amount of talent. It just has a lot to do with how that talent is networked. Um, so watching the B team flex that talent was always so cool because on, in, on top of the shows that were happening within the conservatory or in Pittsburgh professionally or unprofessionally, mm-hmm. there was this undercurrent of like beatnik theater. It felt mm. like... They didn't need anything. They needed the rights to do the play, and then they came up with everything else. That's awesome. I will say, yes, yeah, we go ahead, Roy. 
Yeah, go ahead, Roy. Oh, I will. I will say, as far as like other art forms go, theater definitely has a bit of like. Um, there's definitely a chokehold on like conceptual theater in general. So, like, if you look at um, for, like music as an example, or or dance or anything, like like those those things they evolve constantly on a rapid pace but when you have theatrical works it's always like oh we're gonna redo this show that we've done a thousand times rather than moving forward and creating something new and producing something new it's never it's not evolving and one of the biggest reasons i see it is is because like the elderly have such an influence the people that have been involved in it for so long they just want to keep redoing the shit that they did in the past that made them feel great rather than recreating something that could make them feel great now the economics be of able it, to sure. move absolutely the economics of it nobody wants to go see a show they never heard of but like at the same time it's just like you have you have bands that come out with like new albums and like those they explode besides like hamilton i feel like every 10 years you get one new fucking thing it's one new thing that hits the commercial market right correct yeah Yeah, i don't know i don't know how to break open this conversation without talking about the fact that like at some point what we're really talking about is the fact that audiences are satiated audiences are lazy and they're sort of like not engaged but it's not just theater audiences It's like a, it's a, it's like an economic and societal question too. You know, I want to, ju- I want to jump back to what Matt said about um, schools butting heads with like the student-run theater because I think this will propel us into mm-hmm. the the other topic I want to get into. So my first set design I did at NU was for a play called uh, The Twilight of the Golds, and it mm-hmm. was a super controversial play. Uh, Wakoyak actually was the producer; he picked it, and he also was one of the leads. And it's about this. Uh, New York City architect who is gay and his sister's husband's company discovers this way of identifying certain parts of the human genome and being able to alter them, i.e. saying, if you find out that your fetus inside the womb is gay, you can alter it. And would you? And now and and you is a Catholic Vincentian University. So we butted heads. What a great question. What a great question to ask an audience. (laughs) Well, I'm saying (laughs) we butted heads with the university about the topic, the subject matter. They're like, oh, we can't do this topic in the schools. We were like, why not? Like, this is important. We should be fucking talking about this. Eventually, obviously, we did the show and it was brilliant. It was one of the best player shows that had been done up till that point. And I probably I've seen a few since and I still think it holds up. But it's at what point as especially theater owners and producers like at what point do you fear the audience (laughs) do you fear the repercussions of lack of ticket sales that you don't want to push the envelope with i feel you shouldn't be producing theater if you're not afraid agreed thank you although i am not interested in being a producer right i will say i'm a hundred percent not interested in that position none of art um we could if we have to take a break i i have something i can come back with um, we took a pretty long break. I moved our 30 seconds with Tyler forward a little bit. So we have two minutes until that starts. Right. We can start it right now if you'd yeah, like. We can. All right. Well, it is time for fucking 30 seconds with Tyler, who has gotten his name back. <laughs> for so far. We might be calling him Kyle later. Or we have to come up with a new name. Maybe Keith. 30 seconds with Ladies and 
gentlemen, welcome to another segment of 30 Seconds with Tyler. For those of you not in the know, this segment is when our very own Tyler Cleary gets to talk about anything he wants. The only caveat is he's racing the clock for points. Now, now, Matthew, if you were Matt, if you are unfamiliar with 30 seconds with Tyler, Tyler will present a topic to us. And then at the end of the 30 seconds, we will grade him on a score of zero to 10 on how he did. Keep in mind that if Tyler gets under tw- 21 points or under, he loses his name. 21 points. <laughs> so Tyler, how are you feeling today? I'm uh, feeling pretty good, dog. How about yourself? Well, man, we're going on week seven of this quarantine shit, and I'm about to lose my goddamn mind. That being said, Tyler, your 30 seconds starts now. Okay, so the courts in the Middle Ages were very irrational with the cases they chose to pursue. There are records of around 85 animal trials that took place. Mostly were serial pigs that were offenders. They were mostly convicted of eating body parts and children. They most were found guilty and sentenced to death by being hung or burned at the stake. Other examples of this are roosters were found guilty for laying eggs and rats received eviction notices from properties. Damn. I, uh, I was going to stop you at 15 there. seconds, brother, because I didn't hear a goddamn word you said for the first 10 seconds. Something about pigs eating people is very Frank really? Reynolds of you. Adam, what was it? You guys didn't hear most of that? No, you made no no, I you were making words, but the words you were making were put together so it sounded like vomit. An elocution <laughs> lesson. Yes, you need you need to you need to um you need to perf- to perform You need to do it. a vocal warm up before you do this. There you go. Yeah. Uh, 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 so I yes. wasn't talking like Okay. Okay. Yeah, like in, yeah. You, you didn't have any like articulation and inflections on certain things. That are Mommy important. made me mash my M and M's. What to do to die today, Tyler? Um, I'm not going to have you elaborate on what you said, but could you give us just a quick briefing? Like, what was the main topic of what you were talking about? Uh, irrationalities in medieval court cases. Oh, dude, I didn't even hear the word irrationalities. I heard like. You might have as well said. I think my microphone was just like too far back or something. Like, it's either that or you were like rushing. You were definitely rushing. Um, but anyway. Well, yeah, I'm always rushing, but. It's 30 seconds. But now you're getting too comfortable with the time limit. Now you need to like expand it. Oh, no, I jam pack as much as I possibly can in there. All right. Well, let's rip him apart emotionally. So. All right. So. It is customary with 30 seconds with Tyler that we allow our guests to judge first on a scale from 0 to 10, 10 being the highest score. Um, Matt, what would you give him? Uh, I definitely have to give him something like a 5 because he made it in within the time. But like Primo said, I had to go back and be like, wait, what is he talking about? And then once I finally concentrated, I got it. And the note about rats getting eviction notices was kind of interesting for, for the last like um maybe half of the episodes we've been doing i only use one headphone so i can hear myself and hear you guys and during that was the first time i've actually i actually put in both of my headphones because i was like trying to focus on what you were talking about yeah um, all right so you got a five for matt um preem what would you give tyler him? i want you to know that i love you very much um, hey, I'm expecting shit scores. That being said, dude, I was going to stop you at 15 seconds. You're getting a hard two. I was so upset. I was just so done. I was so, I was like, I was, dude, I was literally sitting here like, just fucking just hit it. I saw that. I glanced down and I saw that. <laughs> so uh, a fat old two. In a Matthew DeVita baby. 
I think I'm the asshole today. Is Matt DeVita going to beat Primo? No, I can't. We'll find out. Because I, I heard more than Primo, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I thought eventually when I started being able to hear, I thought what you were, like, producing was interesting and that I would have enjoyed it had I heard most of it. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go with a solid five. It's like middle of the road since I got about half the material. I want to say my blind rage took over at some point. <laughs> it totally did. <laughs> Oh man! Um, what's the way to, what's he at right now? He's at twelve. Yikes! Twelve. <laughs> That's two fives and a two. Okay, so you're fucked either way. Um, if I gave you a ten, you'd still be losing. So I'm gonna no. show you, I'm gonna be honest. Right? No, if you know, no, if, you'd be at twenty two, which is half of is not half. Well, no, well, I thought it was twenty one. Twenty one's the number, so you could give him a nine, and he could still get there. But don't do it. Grade him but honestly. Tyler, did you deserve a nine? No, that's what I'm saying. Uh, no, no. You didn't deserve a nine. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's like that's like handing out diplomas to a third grader. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to... No, I, I, no I'm j- I don't deserve a nine. Here's your participation award. Yeah, give, go um, go at him. Give it to him real. Oh, man. What's funny is I, when I heard five from the guest, and if I ignored Primo, that you gave a two... I, w- I was thinking a three the whole time. Oh, I was then that's three. it. Got to go with the gut, man. And that's fair. I, I guess I, I mean, that, and that gives you a fucking fifteen, man. And that's that's this. Ooh. That's that's this. So what's my name for today? Tyler. Kyle is this. <laughs> I don't think he's Kyle anymore. I think we have to come up with a new name Clint. every time. I think it's Keith. Keith or Clint. I think oh, okay, I, Keith. Clint. Keith. Yeah, Keith for um, sure. What's Keith. a real oh. douchebaggy name? Trent. Keith. Chad. Huh? Trent. 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 <laughs> Trent. <laughs> Trent or Chad or Chad? Chad's Trent. pretty good too. <laughs> Chad's good too. Um, uh, Tyler, which um, one do you like more? I'll let you pick that. Which one do you like more, Chad or Trent? Trent. Chad, it is. So we're going with Chad. You like, you like <laughs> Trent more than Chad? No, it was a reverse mind trick. I actually like hate both equally, so I picked the lesser of two evils, I guess. And then Primo picked so the worst. I picked evil. the one that I knew. He wouldn't pick. He wanted to go with Chad. So I picked See, the other the one. The word Trent looks like a typo, and the name Chad sounds like a typo. <laughs> so it's whatever you want, I guess. No, what, what are Chad, we calling him? What are we Chad calling? Chad all day. Chad. 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 All right. So it's been thirty seconds with Chad. Um, we are <laughs> we are ready for our next topic. All right. So which is um, yeah, I'll topic. dive back in. Like that. Um, so I, I actually messaged Dave before I'm going to bring this up, and I asked him if it was okay. So my best friend Dave it was was the box office manager at the Cav. Um, Did he quit? Quit? He got furloughed. Um, oh, okay. So when the Cav announced their current season, um, and Indecent was part of that slate, he got a lot of calls from angry subscribers who had mentioned that they were they they would not be renewing because of the content of some of the shows that they were doing i.e. to kill a mockingbird i.e. indecent um and that they said that um they as one of the women who called had mentioned that she was like i'm done with like it's too pc it's we're being too pc now and i i'm not i'm not about this we're not renewing and that's when i'm just like i'm <laughs> I was like when he told me I was like so enraged because, <laughs> because it's like you were, I'm go ahead Matt I'm almost positive actually Lorraine like publicly said something like before it was shared publicly yeah oh yeah she shared on Facebook right. that's what it was 
Um, At least a specific incident. Right. And it, that's yes. like it has happened numerous times. They're getting numerous people doing the shit. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, so what would you like us to do, Carol? Like, what, what shows would appease what you? you? Guys and dolls. Like, I'm just, I'm so, let's do, a, a, you're a good man, Charlie Brown, every day of the year forever. Like, oh no, that's too many kids. They don't care about that. <sighs> it's just so disappointing, man. Yeah. I think it speaks to the system, though, right? I mean, we're going to do, we, we've done a lot of bitching, right, about how, like, what we see is broken, and that's kind of what we're here for. But, I mean, I'm right. not looking for an answer from someone specific. I mean, the problems are abounding. I mean, what about, like, the idea that that's the exact person who probably should be seeing this kind of material yes. but hasn't been challenged in that way in X amount of years of theater, uh, really, because it's just easier not to do that. Uh-huh. because they're bound to some sort of subscriber base while at the same time a good portion of them are non-for-profits that are community investments so when they talk about bottom lines I have a little bit of sympathy for you but at the same time yeah. you're a community investment so you need to reinvest in the community uh-huh. that invested in you uh-huh. and audience audience consumption has changed dr- drastically at least in these last 20 years. And as I said earlier in the podcast, we're relics of another century, gentlemen. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at least a relic of another century, right? So the idea of things <laughs> adapting yes. is, it, it, I know it, I don't know. Yes, it's scary, but at the same time, like if it's not for you, I hope you find art that is worthy of you not being challenged. And a lot of that has to do with like there's this weird cancel culture in the world you know like no one can exist in the light and the dark everything has to be either like totally clean or like it's not worthy of anyone's investment and i just think that like it's those are all evident examples of the theater not being allowed to do what it is supposed to do right oh my god theater was always supposed to be the thing that challenged to me, at least, to challenge societal yeah. norms. Or- not for the sake of challenging. Right. I'm not here to say that like the theater is supposed to challenge every single person right. who pays a ticket price. But if there's something in that material that registers inside of you, that's what the theater is asking of you. Right. 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 That's to what have the payment like, of the ticket is asking. To have you. a reaction. We're not, we're not telling you what reaction to have. We just want to right. get something in you. Elicit well, yeah. some sort of. Those are the bare bones of an entertainment, man. Like I wouldn't want to watch anything that wouldn't make me feel something. Yeah. Whatever it is is going to be like up to, up to the artist's eye. But I, I want to, I want to feel something. As a subscriber, you're saying to the theater that you're subscribing at, I am. I, I trust you. I'm letting you take me on a six, seven, eight show journey this season. And I, as a subscriber, I'm going to put my butt in those seats and trust in your choice. And I'm yeah. not saying foolish of me to assume that as a subscriber, you believed in trusting the process of making art. You, I, mm. I guess, I mean, to me, that's, it is, I guess. Right. That's weird. I absolutely trust in the process of making art. I mean, like, uh, it's, it's never going to be never going to be what I want. No, no. Oh, I meant I was that's... being snotty and ironic. I was saying, as a oh, subscriber, okay. ironically, yeah. is it? Am I not supposed to assume that you're supporting the process right. of making right. art? Like, you have right. ch- you have chosen to subscribe to a theater company. Right. You know what it is yeah. that we do here, but right. I don't know if you know. I'm not sure. I mean, how many board members have been to a rehearsal? 
right? Oh, God. Rehearsal None? is different than production. Both are essential for making theater. One is yeah. no more or less important than the other. Now, like, the other thing that gets me is that, like, some of the pieces that, like, the the old guard, as we are referring to them, uh, referring to them as, like, like West Side Story, when it came out, was... was probably very scandalous, scandalous to some extent, extent and was nobody was happy with it no one was happy with it and now like it's one of like the most requested like my grandmother if there is a production of west side story happening in rochester at all she'll go and see it and with all of her friends and all of her friends call each other like oh my god you see west side story is being produced here um and like that was controversial at a time and now is like they're almost like cookie cutter, like entertain me kind of shows, which is still a very important show. And it's someone I love very, very much. Um, however, like that was challenging at the times. Why can't we have something that's challenging for the times now? Well, the American that theater in the 1950s looked so different from the American so theater today. What but I so did everything else. Oh, I mean, well, like society, I'm talking about like um, style. I'm talking about like musical influences. I'm talking about the way that people talked. Everything was so much different. But why can't we evolve the way that mm -hmm. that did? Because the theater hasn't been allowed to do what it's supposed to do. Right. Be, and right. why? <laughs> because of money. Right, money. And it comes down. There to it money. is. There it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I don't know. I mean, like everything yeah. else. And but you can. And that's. <sighs> It's it's I, I don't want to I don't want to be ashamed of not wanting to be a producer though I'm gonna get that off of my chest I don't sure. think that because I have opinions about a, a, a job description or like you know um, within my own field right I'm not here to presume that I know how other people should do their jobs outside of my own field because nothing drives me crazier than someone like talking shit about the theater and being like anybody can do that no but no I want now, to well. be well, right. And isn't that the only kind of theater that's worth doing? But I digress. Yes. The idea <laughs> that... Um, it, it, I don't know. It's it's very scary to me that like there are no 20th century systems that are still in operation in the 21st century. And it, it, it's like the same metaphor with like the oil industries and stuff. You can't keep... there are. Mm -hmm. But where are the millennial donors? Where are the millennial... I mean, I can't be a theater practitioner. Oh, that's a whole a different donor. topic, man. You know I, what I mean? I, yeah. I feel, but, I feel like is blame, it? Blame, yeah, I do because uh, the economy is completely different, and the way that they were raised is totally different than the people that that. Because the theater hasn't raised. been allowed to do what it's supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly. It's, it wasn't allowed to do what it's supposed to do. So how can you expect the people to do what they need? Well, to do have a serious that? issue. I'm not going to name any single names, but every time I talk to somebody about working in a high school theater level, I get some sort of look, some sort of gesture some right. sort of as if it's not worth my time and i'll tell you that at point park we were talked about saving the american theater we were trained to go out sure. and save the american theater so where i think the answers lie is high school students talk about affordability and stuff back um not even that long ago if you look in like the the whole the big spectrum of how long humans have been creating theater not that long ago college was like what like three hundred dollars like like it's 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 ridiculous to think that somebody can afford to go do this and spend money on tickets to go see something that someone creates and has some new ideas and 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 then people will create new ideas on top of those new ideas and have people continuously pour money into this big train that will that's just not not working because 
we weren't allowed to evolve. And I mean, like, I think it's, I, I just think that we can't blame the millennial class for not allowing theater to grow. Yep. There are no resource. I mean, the millennials aren't the generation hoarding resources straight Correct. out. So yeah. that yeah. conversation, but it won't change yeah. until there are millennial donors who can have these conversations. Well, right. I, I love how I love how people keep pointing to the Gen Zers. The Gen Zers are the future, and they're going to fix it. Because I'm like, the Gen Zers aren't going to do shit. If you want actual change, it's going to come from the millennials. The real yeah. reason that conversation is happening is because the agitation comes from the millennials. Right. What are we going to do about this problem that's existed for two consecutive generations? Literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. We do need to take a break now. All right, pump it in. Uh, yeah, let's we'll do be it. back with more of Matt Ruffer Matt. Can I say it right? Yeah, man. That's yeah, great. I said it. Oh, yeah, sorry. dog. <laughs> I hate yeah. it, by the way. I'm not a big fan of the surname. Hey, everyone. In lieu of promoting paid sponsors for our debut podcasts, we've decided to donate our message breaks to support the Buffalo, New York theater community. Primo, Matt, and myself will choose a company we truly love each week that has really been affected heavily by the COVID-19 pandemic. This one goes out to the fine people of the New Phoenix Theater of Johnson Park. It would be an even deeper catastrophe if this beacon of artistic light were to never open their doors again. I just finished sound designing a two-man show there called Kiss of the Spider Woman in celebration of their 25th season as an independent theater. Directed by the incredible Victoria Perez, stage managed by the great Mike Dobin, and starring brilliant actors Rolando Martin Gomez and Rick Latimer. This show is one of my favorite shows I've ever worked on, and I do upwards of 20 shows a year all over Buffalo. The New Phoenix Theater is owned and operated by my dear friend Richard Lambert. I can't tell you how much I love this man for his vision and beautiful personality. He may be the most graceful and successful risk taker I've ever worked with. I am so honored to know this wonderful man, and even more so to call him my friend. If you would like to send love and support to the New Phoenix Theater of Buffalo, New York, online donations can be easily sent via the Donation Now button at newphoenixtheater.org. That's N-E-W-P-H-O-E-N-I-X-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org. Mail-in donations can be sent to 95 Johnson Park, Buffalo, New York, 14201. And you can place over-the-phone donations by dialing 716-853-1334. To those of you who choose to help, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I deeply appreciate it. Now, on with the show. There's, there's two things. There's because there's one that's a bitch thing because we're here to sure. bitch, but there's also like a closing statement. Well, we're um, not always here to bitch. Like that's just the name, but we, we do discuss a lot of things. I well, do so. sometimes find there is tension between those of us who went to drama school and those who haven't. And. Ooh. I would just like to put it out here into the world that I'm a first-generation theater practitioner. My family didn't take me to the theater. The theater found me and because I needed it and because I think it needed me. Um, and I believe that. I don't know how hokey that is and whatever. But um, And I went to drama school because it was what... I, a, I was always told we like had to go to college. There was like, that like, brainwashing conversation. Yeah, but sure. I, there weren't... You know, the universities consumed the training programs that belonged to the theaters once upon a time where I could have been an apprentice to someone and not had to pay an outrageous amount of money for training. But I don't want to be ashamed of the fact that I paid money to be well-trained. Right. Don't talk to me about having to go off to graduate school. I was well-trained to do the work that I'm supposed to be doing right now. Damn straight. Just because that wasn't afforded to, you know, a generation or two before me 
doesn't discredit all the work that we all do. Right. It doesn't separate it, us. It, it, it only doesn't. enhances us. But there is a huge right. stigma. It also doesn't mean that you, because you didn't, that you that you aren't. Right. That's exactly right. right. I, I, right. Yes. 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 Yeah. I don't think that like it's an exclusive club. I'm just yeah. saying that like that was my path. That was what yeah. was afforded to me. Some I couldn't leave high school and get a gig, but I went. I left high school, got training, learned some more, got beat up a whole ton, and came back with some serious perspective to get down and get the job done. I know, I know a ton mm. of theatrical artists, and I would say fifty percent of them did, and fifty percent of them didn't. But that doesn't change the fact that they're some of the best theatrical right. artists. Like that I, I am know. so proud. You know, when my when our students at at NCCC say. Wow, how did you create this? Or wow, this this set looks beautiful. I am 100% proud in saying, yeah, I paid a lot of fucking money to go somewhere to train to teach me how to fucking do this. this. And I'm never going to not talk about it because I'll pay for it for the rest of my fucking life. But I'm very... But right. I'm very proud of where I came from. But that from, was your man. path. Right. That was your path, Right, man. but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, There are also people who didn't have any training who went and made it on their own, which is fantastic. And I'm, I'm I, those people should, yeah. should shout it from the rooftops, too. But, like, you know, like, yeah, I am a super proud alumnus of the NU theater program, and I will never not toot that or never not promote my program. Like, and this whole episode's been very, very wholesome in general, but it is time for Matthew's wholesome moment. <laughs> Rainbows. Cold beer. Fireflies. A hard day's work. Your first kiss. A firm handshake. Fresh flowers. Gasoline. Miracles. Monster truck rallies. Butterflies. Did you ever hear the Wooly Swamp song? Oh, that was yeah. Awesome <laughs> <moment>. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, Matthew's Wholesome Moment. <laughs> I get an immediate erection every time you do that. Fucking six to noon, man. This week's question is, was there ever a time that someone you would consider a member of the old guard uh, introduced you to something that changed your life? Is this for me? Every, everyone. We, we Everybody. lead off with the guest. All the time. <laughs> I mean, aren't, I, I feel like it's the responsibility of that generation to educate us. So, like, right. um, I can name drop a whole bunch of things, but um, Pam Mangus showed Kate LeConte and I all about Eve for the very first time, and that was not even five years ago. Um, that's an epic piece of cinema and should be seen by people who are not just cinephiles. Same thing yeah. with Rebecca, which is an Alfred Hitchcock yes. Oscar-winning classic. Oh. David Oliver showed that to me recently, within the past two years maybe. And I was like, why? where has this been my whole life? I mean, those are two non-theater-related things, but um, all of that stuff is passed down. All of that is handed down. And if it's not handed down, it's lost. So I credit, and I said this in the beginning, but it's all about your history. All of the, I mean, every person I mm-hmm. reach out to about uh, how to build something, what they think about um, a design thought I had, all my mentors are from that old guard. And what I find fascinating mm-hmm. is the fact, the information I get from Jack Robel, who's one of the best TDs I've ever worked with, he got that information from someone else. That master craftsman who studied at the hands of master craftsmen. Right. Absolutely. So, so that's the thing. I have, I tell yeah. our students, I have no problem asking someone else who has vastly more knowledge than me what they think. Because guess what? 
I'm a firm proponent of saying we are never done learning. And if you're the kind of person who says I'm done learning, congratulations, you failed because we are never done learning. Because learning only exists in the classroom, though. Math only exists in the classroom. Science just exists in science class. It doesn't have anything to do with the real world. Well, what's funny to say that is because the people that that Primo is talking about right now do not have college education. Right. Jeff Jeff is a... They're just fucking great at what they do, and that's why. TV, man. (laughs) He learned everything. And then on the other side of that point is David Dwyer, who is a, a very educated person who, you know, Anytime I have a question, he answers it and it's, it works because, again, he got his information somewhere else. The people that came up with further education didn't have any. Right, right. Like, like what, like what is the argument there? It's just like, no, you either, you either, um, you either indulge yourself enough in what you actually give a fuck about to make it go right. further or you just let it die. And you also have because to have you the, didn't care. You also have to have the luxury of that time. Right. Which is why so many affluent men were renaissance men after the plague etc um they had a lot of time on their hands you know which is another thing our generation is doing to break that up you know education shouldn't just be something held behind doors and out of reach for people who need it right i think Mm -hmm. you know who needs it everyone does so i think we have to hand it down needs it you gotta hand it down to sum up what I what I meant to say was that I love that I am now passing on the knowledge I mm. received from my mentors to other students and to other Absolutely. people. Absolutely. And that that yeah. information and that technique and that way of doing things will continue on. Primo Sugar, that's the tradition of the theater too. Yes, you know, it is. so like that's exactly why I feel so compelled to dedicate mm-hmm. my life. You know what I mean? Like yeah, a conversation of if you can do anything else with your life, I totally bought that because this is the only thing I can ever imagine doing. And even if I went on to do something else, I would be bringing the theater with me. Right, man. Theater is my oh, life, yeah. literally my life. That's why this is one of the most depressive times in my life right now. And I'm, oh my God. I'm holding it together. But yeah, I have, it's because I'm not doing it. And I'm not doing it with the people I want to do it with. And it breaks my fucking soul. For anyway, sure. I mean, breaking the hot. Um, does anyone have another answer for this? Maybe Tyler? I don't really have anybody like that's like, quote unquote, like old guard. But like I have like you three and you guys have literally taught me everything that I know, whether it be sound, lighting, set design or anything like that. Just like our theater in general. You guys. Thanks have, a lot, Chad. That means a lot. Thanks, Chad. Chad, you're the fucking man. Taught me everything that I know. So, I mean, uh, yeah, that's you pretty three. much what I Love have. You. Thanks, like, you three. like the only Chad. like going to get a little deep, but like. You guys have been like the only people that like can teach me stuff and connect mm. with me at the same time. Like you guys, like what you teach me actually gets oh, through, which most like teachers in like basic shit classes. Mm. Can't sounds a lot do. like the theater at work. Sounds a lot like you had a little bit of something inside you that made you want to um to get there. Yeah. Also to do yeah. to, to 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 get involved. Yeah. Well, shit. That just yeah. that warmed the fuck out of my heart. Wholesome. Um. Well. Th- Thank you, Chad. <laughs> Did you just You're bow to us on a fucking yeah. uh, good? He should he Zoom <laughs> computers. Um, yeah, I'll. I, I have one. I mean, um, so I'll, I'll be. I'm gonna be honest. I don't really talk about this whole lot. Um, so my my coming up in theater. I was an actor um, throughout high school. I did a tidbit of it in college. Um, and then I moved on. When I actually came back to theater after college and hadn't done it in a while and was working, I, I worked primarily as a sound designer because I was like the happiest medium of both worlds. 
And at this point in my life, I had been working in theater for quite a while, and I didn't know if I wanted to continue doing it. Um, and uh, I got in an argument with a director over something, and um, Kyle Locanti was the one who realized something in me that I may have not seen in myself. And uh, I got an argument with the director over how to talk to an actor, and it was about something specifically sound-related where she needed, for one specific song, she wanted to have an in-ear monitor, which we, we luckily, we, we, had, we had one laying around, only one, and it was because we had a, a student who was um, hearing impaired. Um, in a prior semester, so I gave it to her, and I was, I was, I was like on the level of, um, I'm not a teacher, but I'm an instructor, but I'm also only like a year older than you guys, which is, which is a really weird spot to be in, and I could talk about that. That's it was where really I'm at weird. right now. I've lived through that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a weird, it's a weird feeling, and um, but it's it's also like the only reason I'm above you right now is because I listen to those people that were. And and I didn't ignore half of the things they said. I ignored only twenty five percent. And um, um, she said to me that the way I spoke to the kids was um, inspirational. And I remembered being like, they're only a year younger than me. And she's just like, they're kids. You're not. It's and important for those people to recognize that stuff inside you because you can't see that stuff on. I, I, but I fought, I fought with that internally for a while. It was just like, I was at the, at the time I had worked with her that much, but I knew there was something a little bit magical about her and I, I fought it. And then it came around to the point where, um, I realized like, this is, this is my home. This is where I'm supposed to be. That's awesome, man. Yeah. But it was, it was like, that was like the, the final, like the, the spark, the spark that made it happen. So I don't think I would have ever found directing. I loved being an actor. I loved right. being an actor. And then yeah. there was an adult in the room who said, your instincts are too good to stay there forever. And I, who knew? I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know absolutely. That and then all yeah. of a sudden that seed was planted in the cranium and it, it never stopped. And it felt like I was able to use all of my talents, not just the talents to act. Right. right. Have you ever? Have you? Ever, I mean, I mean, uh, we're we're very we're harping heavily on theatrical artistry, but have you have you have you looked outside of that, like film at all? Or I this is maybe controversial, and especially coming from my someone my age, but I don't believe that's my racket. I don't want some film director sure. coming into the theater and saying they know what they're up to, just like I'm sure a film crew does not want a stage director coming behind a camera and being like, show me how to operate this. Yeah. So we had the, there was a film school at Point Park, and that conversation happened all the time. You're a directing sure. student, and you're not directing student films. Get the fuck out of here. I'm directing theater in my basement, which is what I need to be doing. I don't want to learn how to... It's not my medium. It's not my racket. And maybe, yeah, maybe but it's not... It's not what I'm into right now. But bro, I have like, I have prompt books next to my bed that are just like projects that I work on because you have to figure out a way to practice your art without asking for permission. So how does a director practice his art without actors? Right. How does a director practice his art? If those shows never happen, that's cool too. But what happens when someone comes to me and says, are you interested in directing something? Here's a whole bunch of stuff you can choose from because they're like almost kind of completed -ish. you need to have your tools you got to figure out a way to make it work for yeah. you yeah yeah matthew matt do you have something oh yeah my, mine's like super simple i mean like when i was in high school it was like a very first uh production was uh it was called story theater and it was like i was a freshman and i was still new like still trying to figure out where 
my niche was like what like my group was going to be because i did some like theater in middle school and i wanted to get into it in high school um and my audition fucking sucked um we had to like just literally it was just like retell a story and it was just like it was so bad but then i got cast and i had like uh it was like a vignette based um show with aesop and uh grim fairy tales and i remember i talked to the director like a little bit later on she's like you know originally i wasn't going to cast you um i didn't think you were ready i thought you were like too nervous blah 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 but she's like but i just felt like you need to do this and that there's something special about you and i want you to keep doing this so just like kind of hearing that from a superior or like from a teacher who's been doing this for a very long time like just in from a respected mentor yes yep. and then like from that point on i worked at every single semester i was in two to three uh, well every single year i was in two to three shows after that time like i my um my auditioning improved my i kept getting great roles like it just like everything kind of took off just well it's like gym class you're not supposed to be good at it right away no absolutely not and that's okay yeah it is it was just it was really wonderful having someone believe in me like that and then i just like i kept with it i don't know if i would have if i not gotten um cast that semester you know what i'm really struck by by this because we're all gentlemen um mm. the and yes. we are storytellers um the story of merlin and arthur oh yes mm-hmm. and how like arthur wasn't supposed to be the king um, but it was Merlin who saw that in him and trained him with, to have the agency to do that, even if it was a failed attempt anyway. You know, it was like in the doing that it becomes worthwhile. Yeah. Like, and not everyone's a natural. To also, like, like I, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie The Natural with Robert Redford that was filmed in Buffalo. Sure was. <laughs> Boom. Why am I why am I falling in love with you? Um, <laughs> all right, uh, yes, yes, it was filmed in Buffalo, 1984. With uh, yeah, I just I just pulled up the wiki on it because I was just like thinking about how it kind of parallels to what we've been talking about in more ways than one about how like this person does have like those abilities, but he does come in contact with those who do not. I was raised on the east side of Buffalo, though, so I know all about. All right, I was not. I was raised in Wyoming County, New York. Shout out to Cowtown, um, all you fucking right wing. Education matters out there learn. just as much, Roy. It, it does. Mm. It, it matters Maybe more. Maybe even there. more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, no, you know they have a great school system. It's just not very politically. Um, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into it. But um, I will. I will. I will say that not, not everyone's a natural. You do. It's like sometimes you do need to learn. Um, about about what not not even not even about like what we're talking about specifically, but about like who you are as a person. But think about learning yeah. at, at this level now, though. Like, where are our young designers learning? Where are our young directors learning? Where are our young playwrights, God forbid, learning? Right. Well, it's it doesn't matter where they come from. It matters who their mentors are. It matters where 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 they are. They're you're a product of your environment. Yeah. Um, so like you could have the greatest director in the world who never knew it because they lived their entire life in some little ass town and never left. Sure. But I was more so tying it back to our episode about, you know, the idea that like there are young people waiting for training even outside of educational institutions, you know, yes. you only oh, yeah. get better yeah. with more practice. I, so like there's people waiting in the wings 
or you know, Sondheim talks about this too. It's not just Buffalo. Where are the young musical theater composers? There's no money for new shows. I mean, Kendra and Ebb wrote a flop. Great, they wrote a hit the next season. They were writing. They were yeah. writing. They were writing. But we yeah, don't have create. that. We don't have that facility. Yeah, we can still create and we can do it ourselves. There's no money maybe for it. You know, there's no like. Uh, commercialism around it so like we have to come up with our own ways of distributing and that's great and it we own our art but it, it yeah the practice and the teaching doesn't stop the mentors should continue throughout your life too and then yeah i mean just like on that really really quick because i know we have to wrap up um but like i really really want a screenwriting class or a course or a um some sort of like even like a master class and that really doesn't exist in many places or even at all i've like searched pretty hard to like find something that will like uh, give me more of a structure mm. in learning proper playwriting or screenwriting and it's just like i have to go back to school in order to do that basically well and i see i fight that i think that that because that drives me crazy right how do yeah. you get better everyone's answer is like go to graduate school and you're like literally howard ashman didn't need graduate well howard ashman had a master's degree but like you know um it's just, there are ways of learning, right? Come on. Yeah. We're going to say that you're not, like, and the ways of learning are supposed to be through working, but because there's no work, we all go back to school. Yes. And yes, it's like exactly. arrested development in that way, right? So you should be learning how to write screenplays by writing screenplays. Yes, it, it, you're right. And like not, sending them to someone. That's a much like, easier said than done. I should be learning how to direct plays by directing plays, but I can't do that myself. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I just want to like just give a fun fact at the end of this that fucking Steven Spielberg he was already an accomplished director went back to school to get his degree and his master's thesis was Schindler's fucking list right an exciting thing about graduate school is like the work that you could potentially work on you know like that's the whole yes final thoughts with Matt Reformat I grew up with a third generation in my house so oh. I don't uh, my grandmother, my mother's mother, my mother, my, and me and my sister, we were all in the same house. Mm -hmm. um, so I, we can't do it alone. I'm not interested in doing it alone. It's the same conversation about like the gender, on, you know, like um, it, it can't just be all men, it can't just be all women, it can't just be all young people, it can't just be all anything. Like, we can't learn that way. And I mean, I'm sure that you could come up with a business model that works for that, but. Um, I wish I was in the theater because of business. It's not because of business that I'm here. Um, mm -hmm. I think that there are hungry audiences waiting to be told stories, even more so right now. But they want to be told stories of excellence, and they want to be told them excellently. And it doesn't matter what generation they are. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter where you come from. It shouldn't matter who you are to sit down in a theater and say, this story is being told for me. I mean, every night, that's what, well, when Broadway was running, right? Um, but like that's what it's about and I know the systems are broken right I mean we can all agree on that systems all over the country and not even just the arts but sure we're at a tipping point you know we're here we're at the bottleneck so like the decisions that we make the conversations that we make now are going to inform how we move forward and yeah. I think it's important that we make theater for theater makers but we also make theater for audiences straight up period I was in a very low part of my life where I didn't know what I was doing artistically, but I knew that I needed it to survive. And my uh, wonderful girlfriend um, recommended this book to me because she, she, she used to send me pages of it when she was in college. She was living far away from me. 
And um, so I ended up just buying the book because it was so everything she sent me was just me and just how I felt. Um, it's called Art and Fear by David Bales and Ted Orland. Um, and I want to read you a quick um, little, like just a short part of a paragraph, not even a full paragraph. Making art now means working in the face of uncertainty. It means living with doubt and contradiction, doing something that no one much cares whether you do and for which there may be neither audience nor reward. Making the work you want to make means setting aside these doubts so that you may see clearly what you have done and thereby see where to go next. Making the work you want to make means finding nourishment within the work itself. This is not the age of faith, truth, and certainty. Boom. Amen, right, sugar? I don't think Fuck that yeah. poets don't have to be theater artists, but theater artists should be poets. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we remind you to wash your fucking hands, um, to be, uh, to to look for those things that are in, um, insightful and inspirational, to uh, move your work forward, and to stay inside your goddamn houses because it's a goddamn pandemic out there. In these streets. This episode is brought to you in support of local theater companies from Buffalo, New York. For more complaining, visit negativenancyspod.com. And follow along on Instagram at Negative Nancy's Pod and Facebook at Negative Nancy's Podcast. If you'd like to send us love letters, you can reach us at hatemail at negativenancyspod.com. Let's Bitch with the Negative Nancy's is available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm an old guy, and the last time I learned something was when I was 13 years old, and that's what I'm going to preach until the day I fucking die. Literally! <laughs>